So my dad was telling me a story today about, uh, you know, because I'm finding things from my mother that, um, you know, have been packed, packed, packed away in boxes. I cleared out her room and after two years, and now I'm working on the basement of all their stuff. And every time I find something of, you know, that I think my dad would appreciate that he would like to keep or at least look at, you know, reminisce a little bit. He told me this story of how, uh, so there's a picture of my mother's, um, uh, her high school graduation picture. And my mom's never been, like my, the only time I've ever seen my mom thin is twice. Um, when she, pick in pictures, when she got married and when she took Fen Fen. And then they took it, they, they, they banned it. They're like, yeah, nobody gets to take this anymore. That's the only time, the two times in my entire life that I've seen my mom um, at a quote-unquote healthy weight, okay? And both times, I don't think she, I don't believe she lost it in a healthy way. Like, um, yeah, all right? If you're a chronic dieter, you cannot tell me you haven't done some things to yourself to try to get thin. But my dad said, so he's looking at the picture of my, my mom's high school picture that she had uh, given to her dad. And he said, I don't think you understand how badly teased your mother was from her brothers and sisters. Like, he goes, it was bad. She was teased mercilessly about her weight. And, you know, that old school thinking of, hey, then don't be fat. Or you should have done something about it. Or, you know, they're just your brothers and sisters are supposed to tease you. That old school thinking where you're not self-aware of what you do and what you say affects other people. I don't I don't see my aunts and uncles really anymore. I mean, they don't none of them live here. So like I don't know. I I like this was my mom's already gone. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? And anytime I've seen my aunts or uncles with my mother, I never heard them say or do anything to make me go, hey, you don't talk to my mother that way. Growing up and being eight years old and being teased for being chubby, at that point, I realized Nobody likes you. Nobody's going to love you. Everybody's going to tease you. It's horrible if you're overweight. Eight years old. Eight years old. Eight years old, I started going on a diet. And all I ever heard was my mom going on diets. Not blaming my mom. Not blaming her. I'm saying where I saw it and where I heard it and where I understood this is what you do as a woman. You continuously try to lose weight or else you have no value but I didn't realize 
it never occurred to me that I could value myself regardless. That I'm still a person. That I am still a soul. A living, breathing entity who had her own mind. That, that, that just didn't compute. That's... I, I'm hoping that this is resonating with people that continue to diet. That continue to feel that they are unworthy of respect, compassion, empathy, love acceptance it is painful coming to the realization of the amount of time I have wasted trying to be something and someone else it completely changed the trajectory of my life Believe me when I say I am careful with the words that I use for people. And if I call you out, it is definitely warranted. Something, in, something changed inside me when my mother passed and I turned into this mama bear that will fuck you up. And I don't mean just physically. Like physical physical violence that is for people that is the lowest form of communication, violence. And if you start thinking about violent people, think about that. The lowest form of communication is violence. I used to punish myself to no end for having an extra slice of cake or two or three. I was constantly belittling myself, constantly judging. And, you know, when selfies came out, Unless it was deemed perfect, oh, it wasn't going out. I, I would take 30, 40 pictures until now I'm doing, you know, TikTok videos, sweating, no makeup, five o'clock in the morning with bags under my eyes. I do not care. The message is more important than me. When my mother passed, my brother was in the middle of a divorce and his ex-wife wanted to know how much my mother left him and how much was my dad planning on leaving him. <laughs> wow. Wow. I haven't spoken to that woman since. Fuck her.
disgusting. My mother left us nothing. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Her, um, her, uh, what's that called? Your, your, your life insurance was 30000 Her life insurance was $30,000. And the funeral expenses were 14000 some odd dollars. Here's the thing. My mom died after 75. After she turned 75, that 30,000 turned to 15,000. We got nothing. Do I care? No. I don't care. You don't wait for your parents to die so that they can leave you something. That is not where our brains are. But my ex-sister-in-law, not only what did she leave you, what does your father plan on leaving you? My dad is still alive two years later. My dad could live another 10 years. I don't know. Do you really fucking think that you're owed anything after a certain amount of time? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> Rude. Rude. And her parents hated my mother. They are like two of three people that I know in my entire life that didn't love my mother. Like she, <laughs> she was literally the kindest soul ever. And if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, the woman was a saint. You come in, you're leaving fed. Oh, do you need to shower? Oh, she always had extra clothes. She always gave you a couple of extra bucks. Here you go. Like, like my mother had zero flaws. Like the compassion, the empathy, leaving people better than, they, than she found them. Like... I have never met anyone so beautiful inside and out like my mom. But these two people, rude, <coughs> so rude to my mother and just were always snippy with her. So when their fucking asses showed up to her funeral, I said, get out. But, but we're just here to, no. You were not kind to my mother while she was alive. Do you really think I'm gonna let you in here now? All you ever did was make fun of her. And like I said, turn your noses up on her. No. I don't want your funkiness and your horrible energy and vibes anywhere near my precious mother. I don't care that she's dead. You do not get the privilege of saying goodbye to her. Fuck you. Oh, and they left. 
I'm telling you. There is no more being cordial. Being nice. Oh no. That is fake. And that is two-faced. And I cannot live like that. I'm not going to pretend to like you. If I know you've said shit about me and my family, ha, 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 no, 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 it's okay. Good luck and good riddance. Bye-bye. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm completely done. Like people who stood up for themselves and people who were able to talk like that to other people scared the shit out of me. Like, oh, or the, or could tell your boss, no, I'm not doing that. Or, you know, they didn't ask for vacation. They were like, oh, my family and I are going to be gone for a week. See ya. Like those types of people who put their family above everyone and tell your boss, no, I'm not coming in on Saturday. My son has a little league game. Like, or, you know, a girl that looks at another girl and, you know, she's like, I know you tried to get with my man. I'm calling you on it. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, those, those type of women scared me because I knew I couldn't be manipulative or vindictive or passive aggressive because I was a horrible person. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing, but the amount of growth and self-awareness I've had to do so that I can make progress in my life and my relationships, painful. It is fucking painful to look yourself in the mirror and go, you suck. You have done everything you can to hurt people, including your own family. And I didn't understand certain references. Hurt people, hurt people. I'm like, what the fuck is that? That makes no sense. Self-sabotage. I don't do that. You pick unavailable people. No, I don't. Like everything that I turned my nose up at or was against or um, just mean, just mean. I was a mean girl. And I can say it now without crying. I can say it now. I can own it. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And I can see in other people what. I would be like today had I continued down that ugly path. I promise you I'd be alone right now. I'd be alone and sad and mad and pathetic and pointing my finger at what every what everybody did to me. You left me. Yeah, it's a good thing. I had to realize I am the root of all my problems. Me and me alone and no one's coming to help me. 
No one's coming to save me. That's my job. And I had to dig deep. I had to dig deep. Kind of like that festering boil that gets infected. Because you let it go and you let it go and you let it get dirty. And you're just a hot mess. But in order to clean up that vile pus, that green, nasty, stinky pus, you gotta clean it out. And anybody who's ever had, I mean, even just a paper cut, right? And you throw some hydrogen peroxide or you put it under the sink with some soap, it stings. So could you imagine scraping out a boil? Screaming at the top of your lungs because you're in so much pain. Yeah, that was me. Down on my knees. Doing the ugly cry. Not understanding. And I've used this word several times. Surrendering. Surrendering to the universe that I have no clue what I'm doing. And those were the first steps of becoming vulnerable and being vulnerable becoming a strength. I never asked for help. I would just be mad about it. I'll do it my fucking self. Nobody knows how to do anything right around here. I had no patience. I had no compassion. I had no understanding. And yet I was raised by this woman that was a saint. That still, no matter how awful I was, loved me. You talk about unconditional love. My mom held these broken pieces. And if it wasn't for her... I don't think, I don't know if I would still be here because I probably would have put myself in some positions that I couldn't get out of. Because the only thing I knew how to do was hurt people. And I was good at it. Again, not proud of it. But I do own it. And when you own it, you have an opportunity to change it. Now, earlier I was talking about how um, the way I dealt with hurt and pain and toxic relationships, workplaces, holding on to things that just were not meant to be, I overbought and I overate. Those were my saving graces. How can they be saving graces when you get tired of looking at a bill every month that you, can, you can't afford? Oh, it's just $25 a month. That $25 hurts when you got children to feed and uh, rent to pay and insurance premiums. I didn't, I didn't know how to manage money. 
I didn't know how to manage my own feelings. I didn't know how to manage work and a relationship and children and family. I didn't know how to do any of that. I was constantly, you know, by the, by the skin of my teeth trying to hold on to things. And in the past uh, 15 to 18 months, I've learned to live with a lot less. Things I never thought I could do. Things that I thought I'd be embarrassed if anybody saw me. And now that I know me, I know that my intentions are good. My actions and my words come from a place of strength and that vulnerability and understanding me more than anyone else. I got taken advantage of. I took advantage of people. There's something about being in such a dark black hole and this little teeny pen light of hope. And that was my mom. I know she was that light. I was talking to my dad about the, the hope chest, you know, that I talked about last week. And uh, something telling me the key that I'm looking for says laying on it. I'm like, I still, you know, did my mom put that there? Did she put that in my mind? Because I, I didn't, I've never, I never seen the key in my life. I know my mom had a hope chest. I've seen the hope chest. Um, I didn't realize it's been down in the basement for the last 10 years. And then before that, I think it was in storage. So it's been decades since I saw that chest. And when I was a kid, like, I never saw my mom open it. But I know. I don't want to admit it, but she's the one who told me, look for the key that says Lane on it. And then when I saw that, that, that uh, like, this old, it's old, it's old. I remember being, like, five years old. When I saw it, we were living in Italy, and there's this uh, brown, dark brown leather suede uh, keychain that, uh, like old fashioned, old, old fashioned, with these little rings on the inside that you would put the keys on. Uh, and they were in a row across. And I'm like, I, I, fi- I found it in a box, and I'm like, huh, I bet you this is where the key is that says Lane on it. And I'm looking through. There's like five or six keys in there. And I'm like, there it is. <laughs> Crazy, right? So, you know. That's my story. I know it's a little long. But once I get started, like I get very passionate when I start talking. Because it's therapeutic for me. And I grew up to keep my mouth shut and we don't talk about our family or our family problems. Whatever goes on here stays here. We don't discuss with anyone. And that's what I learned. That's what the only thing I knew how to do was keep it all bottled up inside until, you know, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back 
right? If you're over 50, you know what I'm talking about, the straw. Like, that's what always happened is that, you know, I, I just couldn't carry anything else and then everything would just come out in a rage because I didn't know how to deal with my feelings in a constructive way. So, there's that. I don't know what else to tell you.